Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, lax rats alike, welcome back to another episode of The Crease Dive. Today is Thursday, April 6th, and Brendan O'Neill is not a bust because the Duke Blue Devils are now the number one team in the nation after knocking off Virginia. I'm Jordy from Barstool, and with me, as always, we've got my good friend and yours. We've got Dukes in the lab. Dukes, how we feeling, brother? It's been another pretty chaotic week in the world of college lacrosse. Yeah, yeah, it has been. Um, don't I don't know who the best team in the country is. I don't know if Maryland's good. I saw people saying Maryland shouldn't be in the tournament. I was saying that they were locked to be in the Final Four. I'm just going to shut up talking about lacrosse. So, like, this might be a solo pod for 45. But, um, yeah, I'm, I'm just happy that it's officially lacrosse season. From, from reports, it's officially now lacrosse season because college basketball is over. Yep, the shooty hoops is is done. Uh, so congrats to UConn for that. Uh, UConn has never won a men's lacrosse national championship before, so uh, hard to really call them champs. Oh, but yeah, yeah, that is true. So, all right, I guess they're doing better than a lot of programs out there. Uh, yeah, dude, there it's it's so diff. I don't. It's the one time where I'm actually glad that I, I, I don't want a vote for the top 20, never been what this has been about. Um, but sometimes I would like to have one just so I can tell people that I have one this past week was definitely one of those moments where I'm glad that I don't have one. Cause I have no idea what to do with the majority of these teams. And there was a, there was a hot minute during Saturday afternoon that I was really worried that it was just going to devolve into pure chaos and anarchy because, you know, you look back two weeks ago, we're all arguing who should be number one. Should it be Virginia? Should it be Maryland? Should it be Notre Dame? And then last week rolls around Maryland loses to Michigan. Uh, Virginia gets worked by Duke and, you know, score was maybe a little tight, but uh, looked like Duke was in control of that one from the get go. And then, there was, there was a brief moment there in JMA at the JMA dome uh, where Notre Dame kind of on the ropes a little Never. bit against Syracuse. Then the fourth quarter happened and I think they went on like a nine, nothing run. Uh, and then Syracuse see you later. Thanks for coming out. But there was like a brief moment where, you know, those two teams had already lost and Notre Dame was losing to Syracuse. And I was like, what the hell are we going to do? Yeah. I mean, you might have thought that Notre Dame was in trouble, but like anybody, I mean, me, I mean, we had Deemer class on later in the episode, very good interview. You guys love it. But like, you know, uh, guys like me and Deemer, we, we always knew it was Notre Dame by 10 plus, even though they didn't win by 10 plus. It was, it was a shellacking in the fourth quarter. Were you, did you yeah. ever think it wasn't going to be a blowout? Yes, just because of the the famous Duke smush, the patented yeah, Duke smush. It's, it's been it's been a few rough weeks uh, for, and it's it's been like to the point where it almost feels personal because it's not like you've had bad takes that like kind of like linger I out there for a little bit and, and, and get proven later. But it's literally like you have a take and then forty eight hours later, it just gets thrown right back in your face. So like just because of your take where, you know, you were just so high on Pat Cav owning the dome. I was like, uh, lax guys might be coming for Dukes on this one. So that I, I wasn't I was watching totally. I, I wasn't totally convinced they were going to pull that out. I always like, I was like, I'm not texting until the game's over. Cause like, I just, I, I was like, I just got to see what happens, but that would have been all time. I, I would have been like, okay. Like I, I like everything. Like, I, I'll say this hypothetically, 
if there was a line out there for like, let's say, um, I think I picked Ohio State on the show last week. Let's just say hypothetically, uh, Penn State. Um, somebody took Penn State spread. I might have been that guy hypothetically, because I was like, I don't, tr- I don't know anything. I, I truly like, I've never been on such a cold streak in my life with takes, and I have some pretty fucking bad takes. Yeah, well, I'll tell you what. It's it's good though. It's it's nice to just be. We're, I feel like we're in like just a washing machine right now. We're just getting thrown around all over the place. We don't know what's up. We don't know what's down. We don't know what's left. We don't know what's right. Um, I mean, all we do know is that Duke does own Virginia. Uh, so again, just to reiterate, we do have Deemer class coming up later on in this episode. Uh, we talk a ton about Duke and we do uh, – you know, pretty much all of our recap of Duke first Virginia in that interview. So we won't go through that uh, in, in this first half of the show. So if, if you're looking for more Duke first Virginia uh, recap, that'll be at the end of the show. Don't skip. Though. Yeah, we're, we'll know. We'll know if you skip, don't skip. Keep listening. If, if we find out that you skip all the way to the end, we will send Billy to your door and he will go berserker on your ass. We will strip. We will strip you of being a diver. Could never. Uh, oh, and, and one more thing. Speaking of the divers, uh, thank you to everyone who has already subscribed to the YouTube channel. Uh, you. Dukes, as you pointed out, we we hit 1,000 subscribers on YouTube. Uh, so shout out to the divers on that one. Uh, let's make it, I don't know, what, what's like a realistic goal? I, I was going to say like 000? a million. Yeah, let's get to let's get to 100,000 by the start of the tournament and let's get to a million by Memorial Day Monday. Yeah, no, that would be, that would be great. Uh, you spread the word. If anybody wants to help out, like if anybody's really good at YouTube and they think that we could be doing stuff to, uh, to you, I don't know how to, what's the right word? Uh, not suck. Prioritize. Yeah. If anybody knows how to do YouTube, not sucky, let me know. And I would take any advice. Um, but yeah, if you have any ideas, like just shoot us DMs, shoot, uh, shoot, it, shoot us DMs in the crease side of our personals. We'll, we'll check it out. And yeah, we, anything that can help us grow this page. Well, thank you to you guys. I really appreciate it. Shout out to the divers. Um, but yeah, so we don't want to take too much of your time up before we do get to that interview with Deemer. So we're just going to rapid fire, go through a couple more things that happened uh, last weekend. Uh, starting off, I mean, Maryland dropping that game to Michigan. Um, just, just something that I don't know, like – it's something that I wasn't expecting, but at the same time, I'm equally not surprised. Uh, seems like Michigan is one of those games for Maryland where, you know, they kind of show up to that game, uh, kind of think they can roll out of bed, not put their trash cans away uh, and just, you know, show up and win that game without even having to try Michigan tried to show them last year that that wasn't going to be the case last year. They got up to a five, nothing start before losing that game uh, this year got off to a lead and just never looked back. Uh, Josh Sawada, that, that guy just proved to be a menace all afternoon. He's a dog, a uh, sick player there that Michigan has. Uh, and, you know, Maryland kind of like we've seen a few times already this year, kind of like in that Loyola game where they just, you know, if, if they don't have one guy who really steps up and takes over the game, they kind of just, they're, they're missing that one component to kind of snap themselves out of that funk. Uh, didn't snap themselves out quick enough against Michigan. And they dropped that game on senior day too. Tough. Yeah. That's, tough look. that's, 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 that's tough. I mean, is it one of the more, one of the more shocking 
I'd say that's like more shocking than Duke losing to Jacksonville. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, it's one of those crazy. Like to say. I, yeah, it's shot. It's jarring to see the score, right? It's jarring yes, to yes, see that Michigan saying. that yeah. Michigan beats Maryland. At the same time, though, it's not like like it, after seeing it twenty twenty hindsight, I'm like, yeah, you know what? I can actually totally see that. Like a, a hungry Michigan team uh, and a Maryland team that kind of looked fairly evident that entire game that they just didn't give a shit about that game. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. So, yeah, so Maryland loses that one. Uh, where, where, where did they drop in the polls? So they're, you know, they're still top five, uh, but I just, yeah, I don't think that they're, they're probably still the best team in the big 10, uh, but I not convinced that they'll be in the big 10 championship because I'm liking what I'm seeing out of Penn state and I'm still liking what I'm seeing out of Hopkins. I thought that, uh, you know, I thought that the is Hopkins back. I I thought that that was going to be a fun little bit that was going to get us through February, right? Just get us, get us to March and then we can stop caring about Hopkins. No Hopkins ain't going nowhere uh, because they pull out a big 16 to 12 win over Rutgers. So Rutgers, uh, you losers, you absolute bums. You guys, you guys had me believing in you in, in in the end of March. It was the furthest that I've gone that I've actually believed in Rutgers. And then they turn around, they lose to Ohio state and then they lose to uh, Hopkins and then Penn state uh, huge, just, Big dick game over Ohio State. Just fucking crushed those guys. It was a bloodbath. It was embarrassing. Ohio State couldn't get a stop if they tried. Uh, so Penn State demoralized Ohio State and Hopkins big win over Rutgers. So I like those two teams in the in the Big Ten right now. Big Ten, I, I know that it's been said before, but as wide open as it's been in a while. Yeah. Um I still I still think it's Maryland. By shoulder, I don't know. I just don't trust any of the teams. I don't know. I, I can't. I can't pretend. Like I'm not gonna sit here and pretend and be like, oh, I think this is gonna be a close race. Oh, I think that Maryland isn't gonna win it. I think Maryland's gonna win the conference. I think that they they might like have like obviously have like a slip up two or more. But like when it comes down to it, who's gonna win the Big Ten championship? It's gonna be Maryland, in my opinion. When it when, so, it, comes to, when it comes time to so, shine, it's Maryland. Yeah. So I I think in. Like in th- like on paper, yes, it's Maryland. On paper, it's absolutely Maryland. And if I had to say who's going to win the Big Ten, it's going to be Maryland. But at the same time, like I feel like this is a team that's capable of losing the Big Ten. Like I I, I don't know if Penn State can go and take the Big Ten away from Maryland. I don't know if Hopkins can go and take the Big Ten away from Maryland. But do I also think that they can give it away? Yeah, because I mean they've they've proven multiple times so far this year. They lose to Loyola, uh, the loss to Michigan. Like they just don't have. It's, it's not an automatic kill for them anymore. I so he I don't know how many how many more games Luke Weirman will play that bad, and I don't know how many games Luke Ruppel will play that uh, Ruppel will play that bad. So I tend to go off that. Um, more than anything, I mean, obviously having a freshman keeper, you don't really know how he'll respond in bigger moments, but I like the way that he played in overtime and in that game against Virginia, rather than a random April game against Michigan, I'm t- tending to go off of, he, he plays better in big game moments. So I'll, I'll go off that for what I know, but yeah, of, of course, I mean, 
I, I just think that the whole like there's a legitimate dialogue going on right now. Should Maryland be in the tournament? If you're one of those people that's engaging in that dialogue, touch some grass, go for a run, get some fresh air, get out of your mom's basement. There's no fucking world in which Maryland shouldn't be in the tournament. Yeah, I totally agree with that. But what I will say, like the the whole they play better in big game moments, like that's a that's a slippery slope to find yourself going down because there's there's well, like the cliche where you know like listen like good good teams rise up to play to the to the ability of their opponent. Great teams just fucking take care of business all the damn time. It doesn't matter who they're playing, where they just take care of. So that like what I'm saying right now, no, it makes sense. Mer- Maryland is a good team. And if they're playing against a really good team, like a, a really good opponent, they're going to rise up to that occasion. If they're, they're not a great team. This Maryland team is not a great team. They're good. They're not great. And good teams can lose to other good teams or maybe not so good teams. Consistent. I don't think this Maryland team's consistent, but they beat Virginia who I think is great. Um, so I, I'm going to, I'm gonna hold, and then they all, like they, and also they went to overtime with Notre Dame, who I think is great. So I'm gonna hold. I, I don't think they're like. I think okay. I'll say this. I don't think they're as good as last year. No, absolutely not. <laughs> yeah, no, but, but what if? Joking. But but what if what if their first round matchup is you know maybe maybe a team that comes out of the A Sun right or or maybe you know like let's let's say it's a. You know what? Even Jacksonville might give them a little bit of the juice, but I'm I'm trying to think about like who I could see. I don't know. Like if, if they end up with like a Delaware, and I know that Delaware knocked off Georgetown last year, so maybe they'd you know be a little bit fearful of that. But if, if they have to go up against a mid-major program, like a program that just doesn't bring a lot of juice to that locker room as far as like a, a rivalry goes, they might not get up for that. First. So I, I would put them on first round exit upset alert. Depending on who it is, unless like uh, yeah, unless, unless the committee like gives them like yeah you know, like UNC or something like that. I'm not in love with any of the. I'm not. I mean, St. Joe's is still think can uh, get the juice. They still have the players, but he's not really a team right now, like a mid major that I'm in love with. Last year I was loving the mid majors. Last year I thought it was as deep as the field could get. I thought there was going to be upset central, um, which games were close, but. I don't know. I, I gotta. I gotta wait for. Is the RPI like going yet? Yeah. Mm, yeah. I'm, like, I I'm sure. Yeah. I just. And any anytime I have to look at numbers that have like decimal points, I'm just like I can't f- follow what's going on here. There's no so. decimal points, which is good for me because I don't. For, I don't. I, I'm with no. you on that. No, no. But you want to hear? This is this is Princeton's twenty four. Jacksonville twenty two. Utah 21. Yeah, Utah, a big 18 to 15 win over Jacksonville last weekend. Um, which again, the Jacksonville, just you guys are you guys are right there. You you guys get you guys the are. wins. You guys get the wins that you need. You know, you, you get a win against Duke. You uh trying to think about who else. Maybe maybe that's their only like big win, but like you get that win against Duke. All you have to do is just take care of business the rest of the year. Just don't lose a game to Utah and you're just a, a lock for the tournament. But then they lose those random games. Um but yeah, I don't know. Good, not great, Maryland. Uh you you still think that Notre Dame is a great team, and I think that they've also remembered that they were a great team 
in that fourth quarter against uh, Syracuse, though there was one bit of uh, controversy in that game. So roll back. Was it in the fourth quarter? It might've been in the very end of the third. I forget exactly when it happened, but Syracuse looked like they were going to be on their way to taking a two goal lead in that game. Uh, Liam Entman stops the ball. looks like right before uh, the goal line stick goes into the back of the net with the ball in it. A lot of people saying that should be a goal. A lot of guys who know the rule book saying, no, that's not a goal because the goalie was in possession of it. Either way, no goal called Alden field. Uh, and then Notre Dame goes on just a nine, nothing run to put the clamps on that game uh, and send Syracuse home with a, with a loss. So Notre Dame things got dicey there for a minute, but Dukes, you've already mentioned you had no, no doubt in that one. Yeah, I had no doubt. Um, what about know. the goal, though? That wasn't a goal. I also can't find it. Sorry, but I can't. I can't do the cool YouTube trick that I've been doing on on past episodes. I was digging for it, can't find it, and I forgot to pull it up for the episode. But yeah, I, it, it wasn't a goal. Um, anybody that knows the game of lacrosse, lives and breathes it, like I have for twenty four fantastic years, knows that that was not a goal. Did you think it was a goal? Uh, I thought uh, everyone knows. I know the. I know the rules. I knew the rules. So, so, so I thought at first, yes, because as, as a hockey guy, like even if a goalie stops the puck glove save, yeah, but the, but the puck breaks the imaginary plane of the goal line. So even if, if the puck is in his glove, but it goes past the goal line, that's a goal. I just assumed that that was going to be the case in lacrosse. Turns out it's not. Uh, I think our good pal at lax film room on Twitter was the one to point out the, uh, the special ruling on that one where like if the goalie gets possession of the ball before the goal line, but the stick goes into the back of the net, it's no goal. So um, wait, yeah. Looking back. Yep. Go ahead. Can, can we, can we cut this out of the pod? Um, but like cut to, just me and you, but I, I thought it was a goal the first time I saw it too. Yeah. Well, we, we don't that, have to cut, cut that, that out. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, I, 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 I said, no, that I'm, it fucking was, around. It was I'm fucking around. <laughs> <laughs> Cut that. Um, it was totally not a goal. Anybody, Everybody knew that wasn't a goal, but like, yeah. Yeah, I, so I, I thought it was, but the rules say that it's not. Um, so good call by the refs on that one. And then, yeah, I mean, that just completely derailed Syracuse's game. Uh, and then Notre Dame doing what Notre Dame does best and just dominate the rest of the way. Um, yeah, so other than that, trying to think about, well, Penn pulled out a, a a good win against Yale. And I'm just happy because now Yale is dead. They're done. They're out of the top 20. We don't have to think about Yale anymore. Uh, We were a little bit worried last week about like, if Yale could do that thing where they look terrible for two weeks in a row, uh, but then just like kind of creep their way back into the mix. And then we end up looking like jackasses at the end of the season when they're playing in the final four. I Mm -hmm. don't think that that's going to be the case this year. So uh, just another team that we can knock off of our list of teams we have to care about as we get deeper and deeper into the season. So Yale, um, RIP, although you guys did beat BU this week, but whatever. Agree. Um, cool. Yeah, done with Yale. And uh, yeah, th- that's pretty much everything big that happened in the past week of college lacrosse. Um I think we should get into some segments, and then once we're done with the segments, uh, maybe maybe a quick little preview for this upcoming weekend, and then get people on their way to Deemer. All right, cool. Uh, let's start off with buy sell. 
So buy, sell, and uh, I'll, I'll, I'll take this first. I'm going to, let's see, what am I going to buy here? I am going to buy, you know what? I totally forgot about what I was going to buy because now we're thrown off. I'm going to tell you what I'm going to sell. No, I'm going to tell you what I'm going to sell. Yeah, because then we're going to sell by. I am going to sell being the number one ranked team in the nation. Because that is now three three weeks in a row where the number one team has gone down. Granted, two of those times was Virginia, uh, but we had Virginia losing to Notre Dame. Uh, Notre Dame ends up losing uh, to Virginia. Wait, no. Virginia lost to Maryland. Then Notre Dame lost to Virginia, and now Virginia loses to Duke. Uh, So heading into this weekend, Duke right now in a tough, tough spot because they're playing against Notre Dame. Uh, So it just seems like if you're the number one ranked team in the country, it is bad news bears for you. Selling all the stock that I have in Notre Notre Dame and being the first ranked team in the country. I am going to sell grass fields. It's April. It's rainy. Playing on a grass field right now sucks. Um, goalies, you know this. You don't know on turfs or if, it, if it's going to skid uh, on some grass fields, how, how the, it's going to come off. If it's going to be a sludge, your crease. Um, so I'm going to sell grass fields for the month of April. Um, I love grass fields. April is, what is it? I think I've learned this in like elementary school. March is cloudy. April's rainy. May is shiny. <laughs> I don't know if I've heard that one. I've heard that the April showers brings me flowers. Oh, man, that's. <laughs> I think I just shit on March for no reason. <laughs> yeah, uh, no, March is, March is, is March in like a lion out like a lamb? Yes, yes, yes. That's actually, I was thinking of a lamb for March. I was like, why, why am I thinking of a lamb for March? But yes, <laughs> yes, yes. It, I'm sorry. I think it I think it should be that March March is rainy, April's cloudy, and and May shiny. I think that that's what it should be. I think that yeah, that's I think new. I just reinvented the it's called reinventing the wheel. Bitch, I just broke that down. <laughs> but yeah, uh selling grass fields for April. All right. And now I I remember what I'm gonna buy. Uh, and after, after looking at the schedule this week, uh, I am buying, and, and this is one where, listen, the stock was already up on this one. So it's not like we're, we're not buying this low, uh, but it's going to be a stock like, like Disney or like Apple that just, it, it just keeps going up and up and up. I am buying Friday night lacrosse, uh, because mm. it just, it, it really is the the best part of the week i i love the saturday afternoon game listen it's great it's a staple uh but sometimes you know saturday afternoon it's great weather out and you don't want to be inside watching every single game like you might want to go out maybe you've got a oh, game you don't want to watch maybe you game, Mercer? yeah cut, you know listen <laughs> twist my arm twist my arm i'll watch I'll, listen actually no i will watch every single mercer game because shout <laughs> yeah, out okay, to cool. bears uh but you know, maybe not like uh Lindenwood to Queens, but the Friday night games is just uh, it's it's perfect, you know, whether it's five o'clock, seven o'clock, just a great way to end the week. Grab yourself a seat on the couch, grab yourself an ice cold beverage. I mean, this Friday, so last Friday with Virginia and Duke amazing. doesn't amazing game, doesn't get better than that. And then this coming Friday, we've got Rutgers, Michigan, which you know, I'm not. 
high on either of those teams, but Michigan is coming off of a win against Maryland. So, uh, you know, maybe they could be for real in the big 10. We've got North Carolina, Virginia. We've got Loyola Navy as a nice little Patriot league matchup. And then we close out the night with Ohio state and Maryland at 8 PM on the big 10 network. So we have a great slate of Friday night games. Uh, we've had some great Friday night games already this year. So definitely buying stock in Friday night lacks. Agreed. I love Friday Night Lacks. I think that I've, I've talked about it in the past. Perfect pregame. Perfect. Just gra- grab a beer, get on the couch, enjoy your Friday, getting off work, heading into the weekend. Great, great buy. What I am buying, hmm, I'm buying high school across. It's, mm. you know, you got these, got the scrimmages over with. Um, you know, the rankings, you start seeing who's frauds in the preseason top 25. High schoolers stop being mad at like Ty Xanders around this time. Uh, Ty can start seeing who, who's rightfully in the top 25, who's not. Um, I, I think that a- April's a great time for high school lacrosse. Um, some great non-conference action. I know a lot of teams are probably on their spring break trips um, right now in like Florida or, or wherever they may be. There's some great high school lacrosse to be watched uh, in the next coming weeks. So I'm, I'm going to give my shine to uh, all, all those high school lacrosse players out there um, and those dads that are, that are screaming that their kid should be in Ty Zander's top 100 when they probably shouldn't be. Um, just because you pay $1,000 for your kid does not mean that Ty Zander's has to uh, rank him. Well, I'll tell you what, I, I feel like, I don't know if you did your homework that well on this one, but it does feel like that was a personal attack at me uh, just to make me have to bring this up. But uh, so we're recording this on Wednesday. Yesterday, Tuesday, we had Radner, team out of Philly, team that knocked my Springfield uh, out of the state semifinals last year. Radner travel up to Garden City. So, you know, the best public school team in Philly playing against one of the best public school teams out of Long Island. Garden City comes away with a big 7-6 win over Radner. Uh, So. Wow, we only won by one? Wait. Listen, you run that. You run that. You run that game back. Radner wins that one, nine out of ten. I don't times. know. I think, was... I think I think that Garden City and Radner played a couple of times now. I'm not sure if Radner ever got a dub, but you know, hey, cute little program they got over there. Motherfucker. We lost to Radner three times last year. There was few things that I that I think is funnier than the uh, on this pod than than our than our Long Island Philly discourse. It's actually hilarious. Yeah. I, I don't. This is like separating the pod, but somebody we're I was talking to somebody about uh, best places for high school across, and somebody just like over the weekend, I forget who exactly it was, was telling me it's Baltimore, and I was buzzing. I was buzzing on the. I had a few high noons. I was buzzing, and I was just like, "Are you fucking kidding me? Like Baltimore's not even close to the hotbed." I was defending Philly. Like it was almost like he was like, "It's definitely not Long Island." And I was like, "All right, if it's not Long Island, then it's Philly." You. The Philly blood is in me. I mean, anyone can go check the scores from this year. Uh, Philly absolutely waxed Baltimore NDC uh, in in the private school scene. Um, but yeah, so good good win for Garden City on that one. So I, I'd set the line of Garden City versus Springfield at. I'll, I'll, I'll go Garden City minus two and a half. Yeah. Um, all right. So that was by sell. Listen, I've I've got a weight room of the week right here where we I 
I'm a little bit worried to give it to him just because I haven't seen a medical update from it since. So I don't know exactly how he turns out on this one, but let's go to weight room of the week uh, brought to us by shark chalk. So for all you gym rats out there, anyone looking to get into the gym, listen, some of the best workouts, some deadlifts, hand cleans, whatever you want, just real uh, active and explosive workouts. You're probably going to want a little bit of extra grip on the bar as you're going through those workouts. And sure, you can use regular gym chalk, but you end up looking like a fool. You get chalk all over the place. It gets all on your clothes. And that's why you need to switch over to shark chalk. It is a new liquid form of gym chalk. There's less mess. There's extra grip little less cleanup to do afterwards. Uh, so it's, it's discreet. So you're not going to, you know, go around looking like an absolute meathead while you're in the gym. You can do whatever you need to do, get that extra grip strength. Uh, so shark chalk, head on over to sharkchalk.com. They've got a couple different varieties. Dukes. I know that you use it while you get after it in yep. the gym. So Dukes can attest great product Amazing. and, and when you're purchasing it, you can put in promo code LAX20 at checkout for 20% off your next order. My weight room of the week, uh, we're going over to the Penn State versus Ohio State game from Sunday. Uh, and this is Penn State defender Jack Posey. So he closes out on a Colby Smith shot and he soaks this one so squarely in the nuts it made it made my balls feel like they were up in my chest uh, just watching it on TV. So uh, I, I don't know if we have the video queued up for anyone right there, but you can also I, I wrote a blog on it over on the old barstoolsports.com, so you can check it out there. But this thing looked like it came out of a rocket ship, out of Colby Smith's stick, and it was like. I don't know. I, I want to say that ball got released maybe 13 inches away from Jack Posey's nuts and just a dead on shot. Um, I don't know. I, again, I, I feel a little bit worried about this one because I haven't seen a medical update. I don't know if that nut is just blown away to smithereens, yeah. but he soaked it. He stood there for an extra second before just collapsing to the ground. So the fact that he was able to stay on his feet for another second after soaking that shot, that's a big bad man right there. That's a weight room issue. Jack Posey, my weight room of the week, and also my condolences. My weight room of the week, I'm giving to the Duke defense. Um, Wilson Stevenson, man. Kenny Brower, man. Anybody named Wilhelm, and his first name's not Wilhelm. His name is Will. Helm, the whole unit deserves to get the weight room of the week. Real quick on that one, I forget who it might have been a niche. I forget what broadcaster yeah. it was, but they uh they gave yeah. Wilhelm the nickname the Kaiser, and I thought that that was incredible. That is, I heard that on the broadcast, and I I like I remember being like, oh, because I didn't know. I don't know. It just you, you thought he said like like the Fuhrer, like yeah, exactly, exactly, like. Just like yeah. there, there's just a couple like German words where like oh my god he said that like the way it, like it can come out in German is like oh that sounds so the yeah. Kaiser I was like I was like oh my god like they, I was like did I just see something get canceled live and I'm like <clears throat> and I went out and I forgot about it and then that just reminded me but yeah um, but the whole Duke unit I mean anytime you hold Schellenberger really to to no roles kind of keep him out of the game uh, they I think they just were deserving of weight room of the week just imposing their will and uh being men out there because it looked like men versus boys yeah 
That's a, that's a big, bad group of dudes. So those are our weight rooms of the week brought to us by Shark Chalk. Uh, Dukes, let's just rattle through a couple picks here of these upcoming games of the weekend, and then we can get everyone over to Deemer. So already mentioned great slate of games on Friday night, uh, and it all gets going. So we've got did – I, did I even mention uh, Virginia and North Carolina when, when I was no. going through that? Either, all right, so we've got – Virginia and UNC. This is going to be a six o'clock game on the ACC network. Uh, if you had to, you know, maybe just put a little feeler out for how this game is going to go. Uh, you know, Virginia coming off the loss to Duke, probably going to be playing a little pissed off. Uh, it's not that far of a trip for them to make it to North Carolina. So you don't have to worry about travel. I'd say Virginia probably wins this game by like four goals, you know, on paper. Uh, Dukes, where, where do you feel on that? I'm going. Uh, I'm going Virginia. I'm going Virginia. Who are you going with? Yeah, I think it's got to be a big bounce back game for, uh, and, and not even that he needs to bounce back because he still had three points, but bounce back game for Connor Schellenberger. Uh, he's going to be pissed off that he was held out of the goal category against Duke. Yeah. Uh, you know they're going to be pissed off after that loss. Pissed off about losing the first ranking. Uh, you know two weeks out of the last three. So pissed off Virginia going to UNC. I like Virginia in that one. Uh, don't worry about Michigan Rutgers. It's going to be a you know good game to have on the TV, but uh, whoever wins that one, you guys are dead anyway. Maryland, uh, Maryland. Ma- yeah. All right. So Maryland. Yeah. Probably the same thing. Uh, although it is a lot of travel over to Ohio state for a Friday night game. So, uh, I don't know. Tails tucked between their legs a little bit after that loss to Michigan, traveling to Ohio State. I I actually I like Maryland in that one, but I'm not I'm not saying by a million. I think that's gonna be tight. All right, I'm saying Maryland by a million. All right. So Friday night, though, great slate of games uh, on deck for us there. Uh Saturday, a lot of lot of good Ivy League matchups. Uh, but you know, I, I've said it before. We've We'll say it again. The Ivy League is dead. The one that really stands out to me, uh, just because this is just like a just a classic lacrosse matchup, uh, Syracuse and Princeton, uh, you know, just reminds me of of my days of, you know, just really getting into the sport of lacrosse. So, uh, you know, thinking back to Mikey Powell, thinking back to Ryan Boyle. So good little matchup there. Uh, Princeton as the home team. So Syracuse taking the quick little trip down to New Jersey. Uh, Princeton probably wins this one somewhere between one or two goals. I like the orange in this, not the um, orange I and black, also, but the, the actual I also orange. Like the, I like I, I like the not nerds. I like orange. I like the the Syracuse orange. Yeah, I think uh, g- give me give me Syracuse led by. I'll tell you what. Colkers had a had a big game last week, but I like Jackson Burt Whistle to have a monster game in that one. Uh Penn versus Brown. Again, what what uh, the, the Ivy's dead. I think though that Brown has a lot to prove after having their seniors come back. Same. And I also was gonna say Brown. On the same page on that one. Yeah. I mean, Brown losing those guys for a noise violation for what four games, almost a whole month. Mm-hmm. Um, t- tough look for them. I think that that's something that this team can really rally around. Uh, and, and, you know, to have that as an extra motivating factor, it'll be a home game for Brown. So I'm sure that they're going to have uh, a lot of alums in attendance. So I uh, like Brown money line in that one. Seems like you do as well. Uh, a big East matchup here where this is, Listen, I, I think right now 
we kind of forgot about that. This is Bill Tierney's last season at Denver. And the reason that we've forgotten about that is just because Denver hasn't been that good this year. Um, we've got Denver hosting Villanova. Villanova has been having a, a pretty solid season so far in the big East. So this could be like a, I don't want to say it just because he's old, but like in a, a nail in the coffin game for Denver season, uh, if, if Villanova is able to get this one done. Um, so this is, I'd say as much of a must win as an April 8th game can be for Denver uh, looking, you know, probably like they should win by one or two goals, considering how much Villanova has to travel uh, dealing with the altitude differences that's always the big one that plays a factor in these games so uh are their lungs going to be ready for this one have they been training with the bane mask so far this this week at yeah, practice that's always, that's always dramatic going out to denver huh and just like everyone acts like the altitude's getting played in such a role i think that's all bullshit um I, I i truly do believe that i also one of my favorite players in the country is on villanova matt campbell future pll player you know that for a fact uh i think that when we got later in the episode you can hear deemer I'd love to hear Deemer's thoughts on Matt Campbell. I wish that now, looking back at it, that I asked him about him. Matt Campbell, player to look out for. Um, when you tune into that game, watch what he does off ball. I like Nova in that one. Um, and can we get you on the record here? Are you saying that altitude is a bust? Uh, if I could sell altitude, that would be my sell. All right. Uh, the number one lacrosse podcast that does not respect altitude on the internet. Uh, all right. And then that brings us to the two biggest games of the weekend. Uh, we've got Duke and Notre Dame. So Duke traveling to South Bend, uh, Notre Dame coming off the win against, uh, Syracuse Duke coming off of a huge win against Virginia. They are playing their first game as the number one ranked team in the country. This game will be on ESPNU at 4 PM. Uh, listen, I, I don't know. You're going to listen to this interview that we just did with Deemer class. And I think you're going to realize why it is impossible for me right now to not think that Duke is just going to run through the rest of the country uh, just because of how much he hyped up those boys and how just really uh, it, it seems like it's impossible to stop that offense. So I got to, I got to roll with Duke. I know that I just sold being the number one ranked team in the country, uh, but I think that this is going to be a good buyback game mm -hmm. on that stock so i i like duke in that game uh that's on espnu at 4 p.m uh but notre dame is probably like if i had to think about it would probably be favored just because of the travel so i like typical I like travel one and a half i like notre dame in this one i think that they i think that like there's just like three wheel circuit with like the acc where notre dame beats duke virginia beats notre dame Duke beats Virginia, but like it's all one endless cycle. So, so maybe, so maybe the the ACC they, they it is a copycat league after all, and so maybe the ACC saw what the Ivy League did last year, where they had a whole bunch of really good teams in out of conference play, and then they all just beat the shit out of each other in yep. conference play. So then that way they all get into the tournament. So exactly. copycat league ACC is the new Ivy League. Um, Makes sense. Could get the job done. Uh, and then, so yeah, Duke Notre Dame could easily be, you know, if there was a tournament and an ACC championship matchup uh, following that at 7 PM on the big 10 network. One that I think is going to be the big 10 championship uh, preview. We've got 
Hopkins taking the trip over to Happy Valley to play against Penn State. Uh, so Hopkins coming off of that win against Rutgers. Penn State just got done demoralizing Ohio State. Uh, again, had that had to put a number on it, probably probably around that one and a half range that so many of these games are at this weekend. Just goes to show you, we've got a really good really good weekend of college lacrosse coming up here. Uh, Dukes, your thoughts on Hopkins and Penn State? Fuck me, Hopkins is back. Hop is back. I don't think so, though. I think that uh, Penn State's. I, I like them to win a few more faceoffs here. Uh, I think that you know the, you know this offense right now. They're getting a lot of contributions from a lot of different players. Uh, home game for them. I love that stadium a lot. I know that obviously you know Hopkins has a has a. I, I think whoever would be the home game or the home team in this one would come away with the win because I like both of those atmospheres. Uh, I like Penn State to win this one and keep cruising their way up to the top five in the country. Uh, yeah. And then no games for Easter, Easter Sunday. Um, oh, also if just, just going to quick plug myself before we cut out of here, but if anyone is in the Philly area and you know, you, you want to watch a lot of lacrosse, but you want a good meal to eat while you're, while you're watching that lacrosse, if you want to get some barbecue, uh, in your belly, I will be having a meat sweats, barbecue pop up at urban saloon in the Fairmount section of Philadelphia this Saturday from noon to sell out. So if you're in the area, come by, get some brisket, get some ribs, watch some lax. Have a great Saturday. Fuck. When you fuck next time, are gonna, if you do another one in the future, I'll be there. I can't right, Saturday. We'll I'll, I'll be at the I'll be at the next one. Or that maybe awesome. yeah, maybe we'll do it. And I'll go and I'll do the tailgate for the next Radnor versus Garden City game. Oh, we, we 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 can cook something up literally and figuratively um, on the back burner. Uh, we'll talk. We'll talk. We'll talk in the Percy's. <laughs> All right. Well, while we figure out those details, how about you guys head on over and listen to our interview with Deemer Class, former Duke midfielder, current stud. All right. And we are lucky enough to be joined now by this is a guy. He is a two time national champion. He's a three time All-American, uh, just one of the, the biggest baddest dudes to come out of that Duke midfield in quite some time. He's also the founder of first class lacrosse. So if you're not following this guy on social, you're doing yourself a disservice. We have Deemer class on the line. Uh, Deemer, what a, what a time to be a part of that Duke alumni program right now. You've got to be buzzing right now with how the boys are playing. How, uh, how's everything going right now? Yeah, guys, appreciate you having me on. It's uh, it's definitely exciting. Um, you know, big big bounce back year from from last year, but um, you know, it's awesome to see the guys out there. They look like they're having fun playing, which was something that I think we always prided ourselves on. And they look like they're playing loose. And uh, I'm excited. We got got some big games down the stretch coming up, and uh, looks like to be another great great NCAA lacrosse season. First off, I just want to talk about. I guess this Duke team, funny enough, I said that this might be the most talented Duke team that I've ever seen. And then they did me dirty and lost to Jacksonville the day after I said that. So it's like the classic Duke's mush right there. But does this team have anything or do they have the makeup of any of the other national championship teams that you were a part of? And what similarities and differences do you see? Yeah, I definitely think they do. I, I think they have experience. You know, I think they've got 
some some key guys uh, that are back for their for their fifth years. I think they got um, some offensive players, you know, obviously some name guys, but but guys that are really coming up uh, through the program that are really starting to mesh. Um, and I, I think you see that even with, you know, McAdory and O'Neill, you know, they, they have a history together, um, you know, from back from high school and, and growing up playing club. So I, I think that stuff can't go unnoticed uh, because I do think it really matters uh, in terms of off the field. Um, I think, you know, when I think about even my sophomore year with, you know, guys like Jordan Wolf and Christian Walsh, there was guys that were really selfless, you know, that really just wanted to win more than anything. And, and I think, you know, when you have that and some of your best players, um, I, I think there's, there's always going to be hope when you have that kind of talent. And I think, uh, you know, some of Duke's best players have that mentality and they're constantly making the right plays. And I think that is really evident right now with the style of offense they're playing, but also just guys between the lines and, and the way guys are doing their jobs on the defensive end. And I don't think the defense gets enough credit right now, Agreed. especially, you know, after, you know, how they, you know, you know, I would say limited the UVA offense, right. It's not, you're not going to shut them down completely, but um, there's definitely a lot to, to analyze and break down with, with the different units. And it's exciting. Yeah, I would, I would definitely agree. The defenses, and I feel like this is probably a good place to go with this conversation because I feel like we're going to talk a lot about the offense, uh, especially, you know, you being an offensive-minded guy, me rarely ever wanting to talk about the defensive side of the ball because I hate it. So maybe we can give these guys some of their credit right now. But, like, you look at a guy like Kenny Brower who, you know, back-to-back weeks he was matched up against Levi Anderson, who is a dog for St. Joe's, held him – I want to say he held him pointless. I, I don't know if he even got an pointless. assist. Oh, that game, yeah, yeah. And we're going to talk about that too because I see that you've you've been making it out to a lot of games. So seems like uh, very involved with with this program. Uh, but so he held Levi Anderson to zero points in that game. Six days later, has to turn around and face Connor Schellenberger dog holds him to zero goals. Still had three assists, but you're never going to stop. Schellenberger from at least getting a couple of those. Uh, so it holds both of those guys without a goal. Uh, you know, I roll back the tape going back to the pen game where I thought that Wilson Stevenson, you know, in a game where it was Brendan O'Neill versus Sam Hanley, two of the biggest mutants in college across going head to head. I thought that Wilson Stevenson uh, was probably, you know, the biggest menace in that game. So, you know, Duke is a, a program where you guys have always had, you know, some good defensemen come around, you know, obviously guys, you know, that stand out in my head, JT Giles Harris or a guy like Billy Connors. Like you guys have had good, you know, defensive guys before, but it's usually the offense who gets some love. So uh, do you think that this is a, a year where maybe Duke really turns that corner into being a team where like every time you talk about them, you have to say, yeah, their offense is loaded, but that defense is going to bully you around for 60 minutes. Yeah, I, I definitely think so. And, you know, for, for my four years of college, Ron Caputo was the offensive coordinator. Um, and then I don't remember if it was the year right after I left or two years after, um, but he switched over to the defensive side. And, you know, I think really since that's happened, um, you know, he's done an incredible job helping develop some of the big time athletes that Duke has always brought in, you know, on that side of the field. But you look at Cade Van Raphorst, you look at JT Giles Harris, um, you know, I think those guys, you know, really developed, uh, you know, under his, his watch. And, um, you know, I think, 
you know, we've always kind of prided ourselves in, in a development mindset. You know, I think the the Duke in February to Duke in May thing kind of caught legs after some early losses. And again, I always say like we weren't trying to lose those games, but, you know, there's just a, you know, certainly a bigger term picture, but we had to go through a lot of growth right um, early in the season. And so, you know, I think Caputo's take, you know, done a great job on the defensive side. Um, you know, you've got, again, you know, big time athletes in Brower, you know, Stevenson, you know, Tyler Carpenter is a smaller guy, but super quick. And the thing that sticks out to me about the defense too, is, is their handles, you know, all these guys handle the ball so well, they're poised in the clear. Um, you even saw like Frizzoli, you know, as a pole, like catch that bouncer off the turf and then fire it in on the UVA 10 man, you know, which I thought was a backbreaking goal. And so, you know, I think, again, these guys can cover, but they get the ball off the ground. They've got good sticks um, and they, they can match feet, you know. So, again, to hold, I think last year, Schellenberger was 0 for 7 shooting um, against Brower. And then this year to hold them to no shots, you know, certainly, look, they play again in two weeks. You know, Kerwin's going to come back with a lot of different schemes to get him going more um, and maybe change up some looks. Uh, but you know, to hold him shotless. And I think the three assists were honestly on, on man up goals. You know, I thought they got a lot of different, uh, extra man opportunities. So, um, I think the defense is a huge part of it. And I also think too, like for young players out there, like watch the rope unit, you know, watch freshmen like Aiden McGuire, who's tough as nails, you know, getting out there, taking big runs, sophomore Jack Gray, uh, big time athlete. He was a big time recruit. And again, kind of like guys like Will Hawes and Dave Lawson, Jake Puka in the program, like starting as D mids, and then maybe they stay there and they just are too valuable there or they flip back to the offensive side. So um, I just think, I think they're deep. Um, I, I think they can run with you and um, they're certainly not a, afraid to match up with, you know, any kind of speed in, in the country. Yeah. When you're going off that, the short stick D middies, uh one that came to mind, Garrett Ledman, he was playing D midi last year, steps up, has like three goals or something uh, against Virginia. He's probably one of the best midfielders right now for them. Absolute stud. Um, so just like the development that they have, Duke over the past, like to have an offensive player come into the program, have them switch over to the defensive side, buy into that, um, test him into the program, obviously. But um, yeah. And then the Schellenberger, Schellenberger, I feel like the whole game plan was, all right, we'll have Cormier beat us, but we're not going to have Connor Schellenberger beat us. And, I thought that was smart. I, I'm not sure if they switched over because I was tuning in and out of the game, but for a majority of the game, they had a shorty on Cormier. And I'm not sure if they yeah, went think, away from that. I think that was certainly the plan and he responded great. Like I know, mm -hmm. I think Tiffany commented that he was really pleased with how Cormier stepped up and won some one-on-one -on -one matchups. So, you know, again, like, you know, Dixon had four goals, Cormier had six, but I also think as well, like, you know, it's not always just about the points, but it's about like how you score the goals and how you get people involved in the flow and, you know, teams feed off of that. So like when their guys are, you know, when Schellenberger runs up the field and then dishes one to Dixon cutting on the back pipe, like that gets the team going. And that's like, you know, allows teams to settle in. But when you make them do stuff that is not normally typical and they got to grind out those goals um, and maybe not get other people as involved, um, it, it certainly throws a wrench. So I, I think it's going to be really exciting two weeks from now when they rematch. Um, and then again, hopefully for a college lacrosse, they get three games this year and maybe yeah. that's sometime in the NCAA tournament. So hopefully that works out. 
uh, bracket wise. So, um, you know, it's, it's exciting to see. And, um, you know, I think obviously I, I put together a Twitter thread about the game leading up to it. Cause I just thought there were so many different intriguing matchups from offense to defense. And, you know, again, like, you know, Jeff Connors and McConvey against, uh, you know, the Duke D mids and vice versa, Caputo, Ledman, Ledman stepping up big time this year. He's always had the tools, but he's playing with a, a presence about him that I think he hasn't had yet in his career. So I'm excited for a guy like him. So it's uh it's definitely an exciting time. I, I would say that just like visually, aesthetically, like Garrett Ledman is one of the most intimidating players in college or cross right now. <laughs> just the the size, the hair, the eye black, like just everything about him seems like, you know, if he's running down the field on you, like you're thinking to yourself, like, sh- like I'm about to get just ran through right here. Um, he'll score, he'll snap his stick in half as, as he scores goals. So, uh, yeah, what, what a great season from him. Uh, what a, what a crazy journey he's been on in, in his time there. Uh, I mean, he, he seems like a perfect guy to maybe follow your, uh, your pipeline of Duke to chaos LC. He seems like a guy who would thrive on a, on a team like that. Yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting to see. Um, and, and again, I think, you know, different coaches in, in the league have uh, different styles and what they value. But I think he's certainly showing that, um, you know, he has the offensive skill set to you know play some different styles and make good decisions. But, you know, for maybe a coach that's looking for a two way guy that can get up and down and, you know, take some short D shifts and then push it the other way. Um, it'll be interesting. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm hoping, you know, Garrett gives it a good run because uh, he's definitely showing that he's more than capable. And uh, I, I remember, you know, getting to meet him and work with him a few times back, um, like his senior year and going into college. And he always had all the tools. He was always this physical specimen. But, you know, now to see him like righty, lefty, you know, put it all together. But then also like when teams play zone, He's out there just making the simple forward passes, you know, pushing gaps. And, uh, and and so it's just cool to see a guy like that, you know, put all the pieces together. Besides any Duke player, is there any singular player in the country not named Connor Schellenberger that you like to watch from like a coach's perspective that the common viewer might not, not, not get some shine from? Wow. That's a great, uh, that's a great question. Um, you know, Good job, I, Dukes. I, I, I think in general, um, you know, I always appreciate, you know, guys that that stir the drink on offense and not just from a dodging perspective. Um, so, you know, we've already talked about Xander Dixon. I think he's definitely one of them. But, um, you know, Jake Taylor for for Notre Dame mm-hmm. is, is one that I'm excited to watch more as he comes back from injury. Um, you know, I think the Kavanaugh's are electric, but then having a guy like him who um, you know, can really, you know, finish off ball. He knows how to move to different spots. And so, you know, I'm always encouraging players that I coach to like, look how these guys move, look how they follow into space, look how they time their cuts. Um, and that's part of the game that I just, I really appreciate. Um, so, so a guy like that, um, you know, is, is definitely one that, uh, that comes to mind, but, um, you know, it's, it's interesting. Like there's, there's so much skill in the game right now. There's a ton of talent um, all over. Like I'd have to honestly, like I'd have to go through like team by team and like pick a guy or two. Cause, cause there are a lot, um, you know, Garrett Degnan is another one that, 
I, I feel like when he's on for Hopkins, like I just love watching some of his lefty windups and hitches. Um, he can shoot it from deep. So I, I certainly uh, resonate with that. Yeah. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll have a little bit of time towards the end of this interview to talk about it later, but I think this is a good time for a little mid interview plug. Uh, just because like I, like I mentioned before, if you guys aren't following Deemer on social, uh, you're doing yourself a disservice. So like what I love, what you've been doing, especially, uh, seems like you've really upped it, uh, the content this season. Uh, if you head over to first class lacrosse on Instagram, uh, I mean, you do a great job of just breaking down a lot of these, you know, uh, you know, they're, they're not little things that these guys are doing, but maybe things that, you know, coaches wouldn't necessarily be able to explain to their players. So, I mean, just going through, you know, some of the stuff that you have up here, I mean, it's just, you know, either breaking down concepts offensively, uh, breaking down dodges, both for the men's and the women's game. Um, just, just a lot of really great stuff on there. So that's just a quick little mid interview plug to, if, if you're not looking at first, first class lacrosse on Instagram, a uh, lot of lot of really great stuff there. Um, yeah, I think you you and Jules, I think, do it the best of of breaking down. Uh, you know what guys are doing that make things happen the way that they do, instead of just being like, "Wow, that was a sick goal," which is you know what most of us are, are just That's able to see. It, yeah. Wow, that was a sick goal. And then, all right, hey, yeah. Deemer, bring your bring your brain in here and let us yeah. let us know why that all happened. I think Notre Dame's going to win because they're better. And then Deemer actually breaks it down in a way that that's not a simple brain take like me. Yeah, no, I, I appreciate that, guys. Um, it's also, you know, I, I always think it's important to to like try to, you know, understand, you know, for, for in my position, you know, as I'm coaching and trying to teach through that, um, how can players take some of what these really exceptional guys are doing and apply it to them. You know, everyone's different. Like everyone's got different, different physical capabilities, but just because someone throws a sick fake and it's Brennan O'Neill with his huge windups, it doesn't mean that if you don't have that kind of windup, that you still can't use hitches and, you know, deceptive shooting to your, your best of your abilities. And I think, you know, I've, I've found it in my game, like the more you watch and observe and study the film, the more, Sometimes it just comes out in your play, you know, and I think that's the goal, trying to get all that stuff to translate. So it's been exciting building it and, uh, you know, appreciate the support. Yeah, uh, and just, I mean, I guess like especially – well, real just like especially for coaches though, like just because it, it's so easy for a coach to tell a kid like what to do, but like it's a little more difficult to explain like why you're doing it. So I think that's – I think that's what you're doing, doing a great job of so far. And also just going off of social media, kids love social media. So having it in the short form, not uh, like a 20 minute video on YouTube, the fact that you can shorten it down and simplify it for like kids or coaches to watch in a short form content, I think is just like very, very uh, important. Yeah, it's funny. It's it's funny too. Like we are, we're starting to make a big YouTube push now. Um, and Huge. you know, I, I'm trying to keep exploring like, because I think we really hit the last five or six years, like the short form drills, mm -hmm. concepts, breakdowns. Um, but then, you know, we've done a couple like in-season shooting workouts, you know, post-practice routines, again, a little longer. And again, just kind of testing the waters, like just like you test it as a player and see what works. How does this fit into what you're doing? We're trying to do that with the content, too. So it, it's been fun to, to explore. We're trying to make more for coaches right now, too, just like Jordy said. Yeah, well, uh, so just. Now going back on something that you, you already brought up uh, and it's something that I've wanted to talk about this whole interview so far uh, the Brennan O'Neill 
the just the most demoralizing face dodge in all of lacrosse right now. It is vicious. It is violent. Uh, just seems like something where a lot of guys are going to have to start making these business decisions. And, uh, you know, if, if you duck out of the way, you're going to look like a fool on a highlight tape. Uh, if you try to be a maniac, like maybe like a Mark Lassini type of guy and, and soak the shot as Brennan O'Neill's winding up, you might end up in the hospital. Uh, so that just seems like one of the more just violent ways to, to just dominate uh, an opposing defense right now. Uh, but also at the same time, Teams also have to worry about a guy like McAdory, who is just, I mean, his footwork is just, it's criminal. Um, I, I look back on the, on the, uh, the little rocker step down the alley he hit against uh, BJ Farrar against Penn. I think that you also did a good little breakdown of that one. So, you know, you're looking at just, you know, how these guys are able to, uh, you know, just really throw defenses for a loop. They've, they've head spinning left and right. Um, one, what would you rather get hit with? Like what, what highlight would you rather end up on the receiving end on being, you know, biting for the Brennan face dodge or getting sent, you know, seven yards over to the right with the McAdory, uh, rocker step. And then two, you know, how does having, you know, those two different types of, uh, offensive threats, like, you know, just explain how deep that makes, uh, this Duke offense to stop. Yeah, I mean, that's a good would you rather. I think I would rather uh, get face dodged by O'Neal. I just feel like whatever sport you're playing, if you're covering someone and someone sends you five yards in the other direction or you kind of like step over your own feet trying to cover, like I feel like that's the most demoralizing thing. But like if you're closing out, like think about how many people close out on a corner three and get sent into the 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 bench you know the bench and then the guy drives baseline like that guy doesn't really you know get demoralized as bad as the guy who completely gets his ankles broken on a on a move so that's my answer there um i think you know o'neill and mcadory you could make a you could make you know as they progress maybe make a Shaq Kobe one two punch kind of combo, except a much more finessed Shaq, a, a Shaq that can shoot the three, a Shaq that could shoot free throws, <laughs> um, <laughs> a Shaq that could break someone down off the dribble. Um, but but uh, you know, they're they're a fun, they're a fun pair to watch. And then you throw someone like Dyson Williams in, who again, like speaking of off ball guys, like he has that same kind of impact as a Dixon as a Jake Taylor. And it can't go underrated because you have to think about an attack unit as, you know, a, a trio, you know, it can't just be one guy. You have to have guys that can bring different stuff to the table. And I think not only does it make sense X's and O's wise, but it makes sense in terms of the, the dynamic, you know, the off the field, like guys are playing their roles to the best of their ability. And, I think they're going to end up being able to be close off the field because they're not so worried about who's getting all the shine and who's getting all the points. Um, so, you know, again, like, and then kind of take it back to skill sets. Um, you know, I, I think McAdory's ability to one-on-one -on -one dodge. And, and again, I, I think he's the most ex explosive player I've seen in the country. Just like when I was watching the St. Joe's game, like he made a split on a pole and the amount of separation that he's able to just start creating out of his dodge like you know it's it's very you know the only other guy you probably see like that is Dordovic 
um, in terms of their ability to like make a hard cut and then get out of it. It's, it's um, Dukes' favorite player. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah Tucker is an awesome guy, and so I, I think uh, you know I think McAdory's ability to do that is special. And what that allows is that Brennan doesn't have to start every possession. You know, he doesn't have to start it and trigger the offense with the ball on his stick. You know, when you got guys like Ledman, when you got guys like McAdory that can even attack a pole, it allows Brennan to be on the, the dodge pass pass, catch it on the backside and then attack. And when he's a slasher like that, I think that's when he's pretty unstoppable because he can go topside, he can go underneath. He's got the distance to shoot from range. Um, he can shoot around you in multiple release points, and then he can make it so believable in the shot fake. So, you know, he and then when he gets going, he's just hard to stop like a Hanley. But, you know, again, like when when he's at that where he can catch it on the receiving end on the backside after the, you know, the defense starts to rotate, um, you know, I think that's when Duke's at their best. And so I think they've got the pieces to not only do that skill wise, um, but again, I think they're buying into the flow of that so that they can, again, execute. And they're just trying to get the best shot as a group. All of that sounds like the defensive scouting report is just, hey, just pray. Just <laughs> hope hope, hope we have a really good day in cage. And if not, uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. I was thinking about this, and I, I think you guys would appreciate this. There's, there's not many guys that I've seen wind up for a shot um, like that besides a guy like Ryan Brown who can like really draw his stick back so deep, but then either still get it through for the shot or then tuck out of it. Well, it's so deep. And then also he's just such a mutant where he's so big that it's also so high. So it's like, you know, if, if he lets it go, it's coming over top of the defenseman, probably going into that low corner, turning rake, or if he, is able to get that face dodge off. Then we've all seen how that's happened time and time yeah. again. Um, I will say though, the one thing about Brennan O'Neill and so Dean, I know that you're, you know, you're pretty active on social media. I don't know exactly how plugged in you are to lax Twitter, the but there has been, there, there's been some discourse though, over, over the weeks that Brennan O'Neill uh, is, is a quote unquote bust. And all I'm saying is I've just been, kind of perusing through your, your feed right now. And I just, I haven't seen you come out and definitively, definitively declare that Brennan O'Neill is not a bus. So would you like to clear up the air here or is that something that uh, needs some further contemplating? Uh, yeah. You know, I, I will clear the air. Um, I do not think Brennan O'Neill is a bust. Um, and, you know, I, I have, uh, I have cleared the air on my stance on taunting, especially in MCLA lacrosse a couple of weeks ago that that came up. Um, so I will also say that I do not think Brennan is a bust, but I also am trying not to get trapped by by some trolls out there who are just trying to provoke lax Twitter. So I'm trying to make sure that when I do chime in, um, you know, it, it actually happened recently where someone trolled face-offs and and then of course i respond and i'm like oh i actually think this is a great face-off battle blah 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 and um you know the guy chimes in and is like oh i actually coach face-offs so thank you for commenting and i'm like i didn't check your twitter bio it's not in your twitter bio I, we haven't met before sorry so i mean that guy that guy hit you yeah. with the brendan o'neill face dodge of takes like yeah. you just 
fell right for it. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Right so, you know, I'm trying to, you know, I'm trying to, again, cause I, I do appreciate debate, you know, that's why I'm not afraid to, and now that I'm not coaching college and just kind of, you know, private coaching and doing my own stuff, I'm not afraid to get my opinions out there. Uh, but I'm also not trying to get face dodge and dunked on by, uh, people just looking to, you know, start a riot on lax Twitter. So I, I gotta be careful. Yeah, that's smart. Uh, I have, I don't, I don't like when I, when I'm dealing with lax Twitter, I don't have any caution. I get dunked on all the time by like people with no, no names, no faces. And it's very embarrassing to go back to my house and be like, yeah, like this, this is who I am. I just got dunked on by a troll on lax Twitter, but <clears throat> I, I need to ask you this hypothetical. And we really need to, we need to settle this debate. So the PLL expands to another team. They're like, hey, Demon, we want you to be not, not just the coach, but the GM. And this is next season. And you have the first pick in the PLL draft. Schellenberger, Handley, or Brendan O'Neill? Who are you picking? Wow. That's a, uh, that's a tough one. Um, all three great guys. Um, you know, I've gotten to, to know all of them. And uh, I, I, think, uh, I think it's more than my – my Duke bias, but I, I would take Brennan. Um, you know, I think there's something about being able to build a team long-term around an attackman. Um, so I, I think that's one reason that, you know, again, having that someone that's on the field, that's the general that can, again, like cause matchup problems, because again, do you put your top pole on that guy or do you put the top pole on someone that he matches up better physically so I think it causes stuff from that. Um, but again, to have a, a lefty scorer powerhouse type of guy, um, you know, that you can build a team around, um, I think that's huge. So, you know, that that's my take. And and again, like, you know, I, I know that's something that Lax Twitter did get really up in arms about was him making Team USA. Oh, yeah, and, that was and, and I, I felt like I never really had like the right forum um, to like just address this. And I just think at the end of the day, like people have to look at the Team USA roster and be like, what guy could complement and fit the pieces that are already there? And when you have Rob Pinnell, when you have Michael Sowers, when you have a lot of different dodging options from the midfield, there's not a big lefty presence out there like a Brennan O'Neill that again, doesn't need the ball to be effective, but, but can still break down and win matchups um, and, and score goals. And, you know, I think that's even something like when you think about like team Canada, like having someone like uh, a John Grant or a Mark Matthews type of guy that can put the ball in the back of the net, like that's huge. Um, and so again, I, I'll be curious what his role will be this summer but for the people that got so worked up and then just start pointing to stats, it's way more than stats. Um, so again, I know that it's kind well, not, of the, not on the internet, not on the internet, <laughs> kind of the, the first round, you know, number one overall pick discussion, but also, um, you know, ties into the team us debate. So, you know, again, you, like I said, call me Duke bias. I went there, whatever. I'll, I'll, I'll own that. But, but that's my logic. It's a good week to so, do the Duke bias, though, because if you're looking at it just from a Duke-Virginia perspective, he kind of could have – and you could make the argument that he ended the debate on Friday. I mean, he, he has, what, nine points? Shelley goes uh, zero goals, three assists. So it's, it's not a bad week to have that Duke bias out there. Um, I think me and Jordy had the debate again, revisited it last episode. 
And uh, I said I'd rather have Brennan over Shelly, but it's a debate. Uh, Similar question here. So let's say you're a GM and you need to put together the best uh, drinking team, your favorite Duke alum to go have a couple cold ones with. Wow. That's a great, uh, it's a great one. Um, I would say, uh, I would say Ned Crotty. Um, that's my you guy. Talk, talk about all, cause all I see from the, from the few Duke guys that I do follow on like a lot of uncle Ned talk. So is he just at, like, at, to, is he the uncle of the entire alumni little association there? Yeah. You know, I, I can't say I'm as on the, the inside of the, of the uncle Ned. I think that's a little bit older and some a little bit of rats talk. You know, I was never on the rats, unfortunately. Um, but, uh, just a just a great dude to hang out with, like you know, one of the more humble superstars you know you you'll ever meet, um, and and just fun guy, great energy, loves to dance. Um, so and and again, we were we had a great crew at the St. Joe's game, all hanging out, and uh, so that that one that one comes to mind. Um, I'd say uh, I'd say uh, Dave Lawson, another great one. He was a senior when I was a freshman, and we actually. Uh, we actually have our 10 year championship celebration coming up end of April. So looking forward to, uh, to catching up with those guys and, and uh, you know, making the rounds. Yeah. Should be able to get a good little crew, hopefully to uh, Philly for championship weekend as well. Yeah. Yeah. That'll be huge. Um, it, that'd be awesome. If we could get back there. I, I feel like the last one that I watched was the 2019 semis when you know unfortunately you know uva came back and uh and sealed the deal against duke and then went on to win it so um would love a little revenge for that one yeah it's crazy when you're looking at the dot like the pure domination that duke has had over virginia over the years and it's like the one that one sticks out as one of virginia's only wins um, yeah. And talk about one that, you know, again, if, if you're a guy and like you've lost to a team a lot, but then you won that one and then you won the championship, you're kind of like, you don't really give a shit. You know yeah, I mean? No. Yeah. And it's like, I think that wasn't it that year that Virginia didn't even have an ACC win or something and they go on to win the championship. It's like, all right, like take your wins in ACC play. That, that might've been like there, that might've been like the year where they finally got their first one in like a while. Cause they went those years without getting one. No, I, did they did they not 11 11 was 11 was their last one and then you know when i was there they definitely had a dip um in, in performance and they didn't win an acc game for a while and then i think yeah. i think 2019 that was definitely like a huge and i can't remember if lars got there in 18 um or not or if he got I think there he did he coached lukovic i know for one year Okay. And then, uh, and then 2019, like they really, really started to turn it on. So, um, you know, it's, uh, it's scary. They got, they've got a great group. Um, they're really well coached. I actually got to, to watch a UVA practice, um, in January, which was awesome. I learned a lot myself. And, um, so it's, it's exciting to see, like, you know, the ACC is, is back, you know, and people were, I think preying on the downfall last year, and uh, that was short lived. All right, I got one more question for you, Deemer. Uh, not not a drinking not a drinking question, but rather, who's the best player that you've ever went up against, pros or college? Someone that you're like, damn, I don't want to face that motherfucker. Uh, 
I'll, I'll ask one question positionally, like that I had to actually battle Match, against or give me both matchup. And then like an offensive talent player that, uh, yeah, I would say, um, I would say I would put, I would put Mike Earhart, um, in, in the midfield position as, as someone that was just, you know, hard to dodge against, you know, a guy that you would, you know, try to avoid, long um you know and obviously he's been what three or four time long stick yeah. of the year so and we we played them once when i was a sophomore at maryland but um you know so i i would put him up there as a guy that i've had to go against that um was, is one of the best i faced um i would say in general um man it's it is tough because played against a lot of dudes in the last 10 years or so I feel like I would put, I feel like I would put Pinnell, um wow. up there because I just I feel like you know so talented. Like I remember playing them in in 2013 in the semis. Like always a threat that like you just thought he was gonna make a play. Um, you know, he's got all the all the tools you could think of. Um, I'd have to put him up there. I mean, I I think the best guy of my like generation um, is Jordan Wolf. And I was fortunate to not have to go against him, <laughs> uh, but, but we did play against him a bunch, you know, for the Rattlers and stuff um, in the MLL. And, and he was just an absolute force. So, um, you know, I, I did actually have to compete against him. So I would, I would put him in that mix too. I was, I was fortunate enough to play against Jordan for four years in high school and never lost to him. So suck on that, Jordy. <laughs> there you um, go. <laughs> Uh, I've I've got one last question here. Uh, well, actually, one. I do. I'm, I'm I glad that you said. Too, okay, yeah, that we're we're gonna have like five more, <laughs> one more questions. Um, what I I am the interesting that you uh, said Pinnell because what, like when I'm looking back on you know the best players from like the past. 10, 15 years. Like I feel like I see the most of Pinnell's game like in other attackmen's game right now. Like you can kind of see like so many guys who just grew up just crushing through Rob Pinnell highlights on YouTube and, and hitting some of the same moves. So I do think that he's like probably the most influential attackman over the past, however many years it's been. Um, my question here though, something that you said uh, w with the ACC being back. Uh, so obviously last year, uh, our, our good friend Donna of the selection committee uh, famously kept teams like Duke and, and Notre Dame out of the tournament uh, while just pumping it full of Ivy League nerds. Uh, Dukes and I, we, we've had this theory that, you know, Notre Dame has come into the season uh, playing extremely pissed off ball just to really stick it to Donna uh, and stick it to everyone who kept them out of the tournament last year. Kind of seeing similar things with Duke right now. Uh, I mean, just running through teams besides that one uh, loss to Jacksonville so far this year, which is part of the script. Uh, I, I'm just curious as someone a little bit more on the inside, like did you hear anything from, you know, whether it's current players or alumni or coaches or whatever, uh, where, you know, that, you know, getting left out of the tournament last year uh, really put a, a bigger chip on their shoulder hey, into this year or they – just focus on this year and last year is just whatever yeah no i i mean i think i think in general like you know even you know just hearing a little bit after but then you know thinking about the fall and, and reflecting back on my experience like i remember 
after 2012 when Duke lost to Maryland and we came in that fall, like even that was like a, that was a semifinal loss and it was carried through as like such a motivation for, for the fall. And so, you know, while, while I think like the growth mindset is certainly on this year and, you know, you know, growing from that, I think it just gives that natural chip. No doubt. I don't think it's necessarily like something that's like beat over their heads, you know, because, I think again, like when you look in the mirror, like they didn't win enough of the games that they that they needed to to um, you know kind of boost that resume. But I, I think they're all you know highly competitive, and it's certainly in the back of their mind. So I, I think Duke and Notre Dame are definitely definitely using that as a ton of motivation. And whether it's comes out a lot or it's just like kind of in the back of their minds is like that fuel to the fire. Like you know that's that's definitely like what I what I'm kind of seeing in terms of their play. Um, but, you know, again, it's hard because every year is a new year and you get new faces, you graduate guys, you got a new freshman class. And so, you know, you have to, you have to remember the history, but you can't, can't hang on it too, too much as and that be the driving force because that can burn out too. Yeah. I mean, last year, I think I made the argument that Maryland's championship was a Mickey mouse title because Notre Dame and Duke weren't in it. And I don't know. It's can you confirm that Deemer? Yeah, are we calling Mickey? Are we calling the undefeated season Mickey Mouse title? I I will not confirm that. I, I <laughs> not stand by that statement, but I do respect you. Yeah, it's a hot take. Uh, and and I respect you and your hot takes, but I don't necessarily agree with that one. <laughs> yeah, I'm not so sure I even believe it, but I like to say it. Um, but here's what the last question that me and Jordy have this debate far too many episodes. You're from Baltimore. Jordy's from Philly. I'm from Long Island. The best pl- lacrosse players are from what area? Baltimore. Are you sure? Because you, when I asked you the question, you named two Long Island people in Earhart and Pinnell. Oh, I mean. Wow. <laughs> I walked right into it. You just got <laughs> mousetrapped by dudes. <laughs> dudes. But you did, also, you did also say, guys, I played against. So then you're not taking in. Okay. Know, yep. Conrad, Pat Spencer. You know all the guys in the '80s and '90s that are, are studs coming out who were who were playing against that's plumbers. A, that's a good yeah. Uh, oh yeah. Wait, Demer, you might like this one. I said, at what point does lacrosse Twitter turn into NBA Twitter, and we just start saying like Gary Gate, like Gary Gate stats don't matter. He was playing against like referees and plumbers. Like he would, he was like like that's gonna start. That's gonna start happening very soon. That is that is gonna be soon, and also that's why that's why I'm against the two point line in college lacrosse, because if that happens, that will just jack up the stats yep. and make it so hard to compare over these decades. Um, and so, you know, I think you want to be able to hold on to some of these like decade long comparisons so that you can still compare gate and pow and, and these guys. And, you know, again, it's also hard too, because it, the, the pool has gotten so much more competitive that, a team winning three national titles in four years, like Princeton and Q's did or whatever, yeah. like it's just going to be so much harder for that to happen. And the portal, like everything about it. It's, it's interesting. NIL. I do have a solution to that. Uh, we can just, cause I know that he watches enough lacrosse to do it. We could just have Joe Keegs go through every like Gary gate. Yeah game and just like figure out like all right like would that have been a two-pointer just go through all the games in history figure out which one and then we can just retcon all of their stats 
uh, and just have them as, as two pointers or not. And then that way it'll be equal. So Joe, uh, you've got a little bit of homework. I expect that to be done by maybe the first round of the tournament. Um, all right. My last question. And I promise that this is the last one, but let's just talk about first class lacrosse a little bit. Uh, Cause you know, you're obviously doing a lot of great stuff on social, but you've got the whole uh, you know, all, all the training that you do uh, in person as well. So uh, you know, just how can, you know, people either get in contact with you or figure out what you're doing or just kind of, you know, them maybe, you know, maybe you offer something that they didn't even know that you had. Uh, so we can just talk about first class right now. Yeah, no, appreciate that. Um, you know, obviously you mentioned uh, the Instagram page at first class lacrosse. I would say, you know, at first class lacks underscore on Twitter um, and then at tutu classy on Twitter. That's where I'm definitely. Um, you know, a little different type of content and then probably more geared towards um, the lacrosse fan and, and coach um, out there. I don't know how many of my players are actually engaging on Twitter. So um, I definitely, you know, are, we're trying to put more content up on that front um, at first class lacks on YouTube. We've done a lot more high school recaps as well and high school highlights. So that's been something new that we've done this spring. And then, uh, if you go to our website, um, first class lacks one st classlax.com, uh, that's where you can really find out everything we're doing. Um, we've got a great youth and middle school summer camp. Uh, we run our best in class elite training and recruiting event. So that those have been exciting. And then we've got weekly training and then athlete mentorship um and consulting um, you know, that we do as well. So um, you know, we've also done team trainings. You know, we've worked with a lot of different high schools out there and uh, we're doing more on the uh, team consulting side now, too, um, in terms of some film study and breaking down film for programs. So it's been exciting. Um, you know, we're always trying to balance our time and what we can handle. But, um, you know, I think everything that we've done has just been born out of, you know, it's it's a growing sport and, you know, people are always looking for an edge. And, you know, we're trying to just do our best to um, you know, keep getting better and sharper on the game and so that we can help others that, that might be interested in working with us. Awesome. Well, yeah, make sure you guys uh, check all of that out and also make sure that you are checking out uh, I believe what, what time is it? Is, is it a four o'clock game? I think this, this Saturday Duke versus yeah. Notre Dame. Yep. So Duke versus Notre Dame. Uh, yeah. Four or three thirty, whatever that is. Uh, let's, let's see if maybe Duke can be the first team in a few weeks here to win a game as number one in the country. Uh, and hopefully we get a chance to see in Philly for the final four. So Deemer, thanks for coming on. Uh, always great to have, have a good brain talk about this team because there are only so many times that we can just say Brennan O'Neill's a monster. <laughs> well, appreciate you guys having me. It was awesome talking shop and, uh, best of luck as you guys keep keep crushing it with the podcast this spring thanks man. all right thanks brother we'll talk to you all right see ya all right thanks again to deemer for hopping on with us uh again great interview make sure that you are following him on all of his social channels uh he's if you're looking to learn more about the game or you want to get into coaching a uh, real helpful guy there, uh, make sure that you're following us on social too. We got to plug ourselves here every once in a while. So on Twitter and Instagram, we are at the crease dive there, TikTok at stool crease dive. Uh, make sure you guys are, are subscribed to us on the Twitter channel. Again, we're trying to get to what was that a hundred thousand before the tournament uh, and maybe a million subscribers by Memorial day. So if each and every one of you divers out there told like, 
what, 5,000 of your best friends, we could probably get close to there. Um, so just round up maybe those guys, can, tell them all. And maybe, maybe you can get a movement like to get under the Barstool umbrella officially. Uh, what, 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 I've seen a little movement, like get these guys. Uh, who, who, did, did you see that tweet? Yeah, yeah. If, if 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 you have to tag a stool sales guy on Twitter to to tell him to put us under the official Barstool umbrella, we can't legally tell you that you're not allowed to do that. Yeah, I mean, if there's a huge push by like, like you want us to be a top 100, look, like you guys made us a top 100 lacrosse podcast. How about we just become? How about we just like fuck around and we decide to become a top 50 podcast ever? Like when, when they're looking through the ranks of like the greatest podcast of all time, it's like Joe Rogan, part of my take, spit and chicklets, the crease dive, call her daddy, call, call her daddy. Yeah. Just, <laughs> like, just yeah. a couple dudes out here talking shop. Let's mean girls. You know, let's yeah. Got, you know, just a couple, couple guys who have a dream. Let's make it happen. Uh, and in the meantime, we'll be keeping it low to high until the day we die. We out.